What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of For the Love of Cinema, a movie podcast where our motto is, we just hope it doesn't suck. This episode 331 broken up into two parts, A and B. Thank you, sir. Singular this week. 331A, posting on 523, will be a discussion on Hypnotic with Ben Affleck. And 331B, posting on 526, will be a discussion on the Netflix original The Mother with Jennifer Lopez. I'm one of your your hosts, Grayson Maxwell. Joining me as he does every week is my co-host, Roger Stillian, flying solo this week. Chris has other things going on. It's been a while since his... He's an important man. I mean, he's an important man with kids that have commitments. So, Mm -hmm. yes, he is an important man. Chris, if you're listening, we're out there. We're with you. uh, We hope you're with us in spirit. But we're going to continue on without you this one episode, my friend. Yes. Um, It doesn't happen often. It's just you and me, Roger. It happens once in a blue moon. But Yeah, it's been a bit. Back to the old days. All right, what's yeah, going we, on? This we week? had a pretty good run, you know, all three of us. I mean, I not a whole lot happening, you know. It's uh, the week before Memorial Day, so um, there's that going on. I'm about to go on my first vacation of the year. You know, that's nice. That's nice. So Where are you going? Excited. I'm not really doing a whole lot. It is over Memorial Day weekend, but like I have a whole, I have like a, you know, a couple of days before, a couple of days after off, so. We're uh, we're gonna go visit some friends in a couple of cities and uh, make a trip around. Probably check out a baseball game or two and go from there. So yeah, ought to be fun. There you go. I'm looking forward to being home next weekend. Uh, I really am. Um, for a lot of reasons I, I, that I hope pan out. Yeah, to give me fucking baconators, bro. Yeah, that's a, it's gonna be a fun episode. The the the, the hundo being dropped at Wendy's uh, episode for my. <laughs> For my humility or my lack of foresight as far as the Mario movie goes. Or, or, or what, what was it that? Was it the Mario movie? Yeah. There's, there's a number of bets that I, I think I may I may have won some and lost some, but I probably lost So here, here's the thing with bets. Grayson had makes some good points and stuff. He's really terrible, though, at betting on what will and won't make money. <laughs> like, well, I'm, he's, he's, he's had, he, listen, he had very good success on predicting the Oscars. Pretty sure he won that whole category. Like, took you know beat me and chris pretty badly actually but every time he's done a bet regarding how much money something will make he has lost every one of them you know what's funny about that is i either win big or lose big as far as the bets with box office go sure and I, th- I think it's because i romanticize some things and i think it's because i have more faith in america when it comes to the mario movie <laughs> because it wasn't that movie is not great as far as narrative structure goes no nope. but it but it is fine when you consider it a mario movie so i mean yep. you got me there and i didn't realize that but and i and i've this week have spoken to people who have seen that i think i think i saw someone in my office said they, they've seen it nine times and they paid each time whoa so i mean that's that's a lot he said i'm a big mario fan i love nintendo so i, I like to give it some love yeah I'm like, like okay, um le- legitimately like you know we we talked about mario and i don't want to get into it Mario's not the best movie in the world it is a great family film though so you know it deserved to make a whole bunch of money and it did it's still making money. Get gonna... me some uh, some food in my belly. It's making a whole bunch of money still. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes in the box office. Um, one thing I want to say before we start: uh, this is going to be a shorter episode. Uh, we're talking about Hypnotic, uh, but it's very spoilery. It's one of those movies that it. We, I, I don't think Roger and I both we're we're, we're going to favorably talk about it, but. Um, it's one of those movies that has a tons of twists, and we don't want to cheat our viewers or potential viewers out of out of a out of a, an experience. And that's and I and I do mean that because the twist they come a, they come a call in, in hypnotic. So also, I put viewers in quotation marks. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Well, um, yeah. So let's do an episode, Roger. Episode one thirty one. Let's make a podcast. Let's get on with the episode then. All right, this is episode 331 of For the Love of Cinema, a podcast about movies, film, and cinema. It was posted each and every Tuesday and Friday at 5 a.m. on Podbean, which then distributes to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Each and every week, we start with the box office, current and upcoming releases, what streaming trailers and movies of the week. Without further ado, and with tradition, let's jump to the box office. I was told to not check the box office before we started, by the way. Because I think this is the quickest we've ever gotten into the show at five at less than five minutes. So mm-hmm. I'm, I, I do want to spend some time on the box office. Fast Ten, to no surprise to anyone, took the top spot. It only did sixty-seven million domestic, but a worldwide mm-hmm. of two hundred and sixty-seven. Yep. So that's a pretty damn good start for any movie, really. Even 
Even the fast. Yeah, that's not the end I mean, we we knew fast is going to pull a good international market here, so we're not we're not surprised by that. However, you know, sixty seven is it's a little bit lower than what I had figured it was going to come in at, but we'll see when the official numbers come out tomorrow. Because if you remember, just a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Mario. Uh, the projections came out on Sunday, and Mario ended up about twenty million dollars above that. So, um, when the actual numbers were tabulated on Monday morning, so listen, I don't expect that with Fast. I'm just saying, but don't be surprised if it ends up being like seventy-two to seventy-five million when it checks well, I can out. Definitely, I mean, it's the end of the school year. You know, people are hanging out, drinking, going to see. Yeah, I can definitely see that Fast getting a you know anywhere from another five to ten million to tonight. I can definitely yep. see that as the as a, as a reality. But I expected Fast to do uh, a, a better domestic pull. I don't know if that means it's it's waning here in the states. But look, again, we've had a lot of Fast and Furious movies. I mean, we are. I mean, I don't want to be funny about this. We are on the eleventh Fast and Furious movie here, so you know we we've seen a lot of what we're seeing before. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I wasn't keen on Jason Momoa playing the villain, and maybe still other people aren't. But we'll see. That's the one we're going to talk about next week. And I, I am excited to talk about it. I always am excited to talk about the Fast films. Let's talk about numbers two spot. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 still pulling in a very healthy $32 million, Wow. Bringing its worldwide to $660 million. That's just, well, just shy of 660 with 659 So that's a pretty good I, number. That's 32 is a big number. That's good for them. That, it's not quite what I thought it was going to be. You know what's weird about that is 32 on the same weekend that Fast opened up. Yeah, so that, that's what I mean, right? You know, it because, listen, that's the same audience, right? The, the, the same exact audience. The same audience. And they still managed to, you know, in what is this, their fourth, third or fourth week? Still pulled 32? I mean, that's a good number. That's a very solid number. Uh, that's a very strong number. Um, I, I don't. I, it's just baffling to me that it it that it didn't pull like it just did. Guardians did the number it did domestic when Fast debuted. It just because you're right, it is the exact same audience, and you figure the people who had seen Guardians or already had seen Guardians would have, you know, I mean, the the people wanting to watch Fast would have would have definitely already seen Guardians. So that doesn't yeah. it just doesn't make any sense to me. But we'll get into that um, a little bit next week. We talk about Fast numbers at the first week. Number three spot goes to the Super Mario Brothers movie, still refusing to leave the top five. Another, a pretty sharp drop off, actually, nine point eight million. It's still it's- though, because listen, it is available now to for VOD, so you don't actually have to go to the movies to watch this now, and it still pulled ten million dollars. That is a heck of a pull for the the umpteenth week in the box office, pulling, making its worldwide officially. One point two two nine point four billion dollars. Wow! So it's still climbing, folks. It's it's still doing very well internationally. It's the domestic is five forty nine and the international is six eighty. So it, it's it's still climbing. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's not going to stop for at least a few more weeks. It'll still be a very healthy uh, box office for more movies for at least a few weeks. That's awesome. Good for Number, them. I agree. I agree. Number four spot: The Book Club next chapter, doing only a measly three point oh million. Bring us worldwide to sixteen point nine million. I don't know Oof. what the budget was for that, but it wasn't. I I don't think the budget could have been anywhere from five to ten, given who's involved and where they travel to. So, uh, I, I imagine the budget was not as small as you might think it would be. But we'll get into that one, the budget for that one next week. I, I I am curious about that. That's one thing I didn't do research for. But next next week, I want to talk about the budget of the book club. Um, and num- <laughs> number five, <laughs> no, we don't. Let's just not. <laughs> number five, Evil Dead Rise, still doing very well for itself. Two point four million domestic, with a worldwide of one thirty five. Off of what did we say? Like a ten or fifteen million dollar budget? Uh, it was about fifteen million. Yep, that's that's a major win, man. That's a so quick stat about that that me, Chris, and Grayson discussed in our group text through the week. Um, Evil Dead Rise has officially outgained Shazam. <laughs> This is your Shazam 2 Fury of the Gods, by the way, because they are no longer mind. tabulating Shazam 2. I can't, so oh, that is so <laughs> that's just it's, it just it's mind blowing that a rated R movie did better than a superhero movie in 2023. It just well, it's amazing to me. Just just one thing to think about, folks. And I I, I don't want to to knock Shazam any more than we already did because that movie's pretty bad. But I wanted Shazam to be good. I liked the first one and it's so bad. So so bad. Well, it had some great ideas. It just unfortunately, I don't think can outrace. It failed to execute all of them. 
Well, well, I don't even think, but I think what's happening to DC right now also plays a pretty pivotal factor. You know, DC's not been in a good place for a while now. People might just see that, oh, who cares? You know, I mean, seriously, like fans of the DC universe, fans that like the comic and were were in it with Man of Steel and Wonder Woman and from 2013 on might at this point be checked out if they know there's just a be reset like comic. hell with it. Sure. No, I, I mean, get that. So that definitely plays a part. You can, I don't, I think you can, you can argue that it doesn't, but I don't think that's a, that's a likely scenario, but let's look at spots six through 10, just to see if anything has changed. I don't think much will have, but six, John Wick chapter four. Good for you, John Wick seven. Are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. Number eight, hypnotic. <laughs> <laughs> making its world weakness worldwide take less than five million dollars 4.4 million dollars nice Holy cow um number nine love again and number 10 dungeons and dragons still making some money i'm, I'm happy for that the it most broke- okayest movie i've watched in a long time <laughs> that's that's very true and a most a very accessible movie with dungeons and dragons which i didn't think they were going to be able to pull off but it is very accessible it did. It just it broke the two hundred million dollar mark, which is very good for that. So good for Dungeons and Dragons. I'm very happy with that one's performance. But that's all for the box office. Not a whole lot of change there. Let's look at some current and upcoming releases. Friday, May nineteenth, brought us Buddy Games Spring Awakenings, which I didn't even see in the theaters, and Fast Ten. May twenty. Wasn't Buddy Games uh, like Amazon or something? Hey, but it doesn't say that on this. It just said like it does the theatrical. It doesn't have a thing on on the end of it. Mm. So it obviously didn't do very well. Number twenty, or sorry, May May twenty sixth. About my father, Kandahar, Little Mermaid, The Machine, and You Hurt My Feelings. Yamushina. June second, The Boogeyman, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. It's gonna be a big week for Spider Man. Big day, fans. big day for Raj. June 9th, Transformers, Rise of the Beasts. June 16th, The Blackening, Pixar's Elemental, and The Flash, which I still contend may actually be an okay movie. So I've seen some preliminary things that might make it okay. I'm just, the the trailer has me very excited. I'm a big fan of, because this trailer is giving us what superheroes should always have in the movies is choice. You know, he's... For all, we all have mothers. <laughs> Even the baddest men in history have mothers so that they love. So I mean, that's the thing is we all can we all are sympathetic to that kind of story. Is a kid that can one of the the only kid in the world who can change time and change things is trying to hold on to his mother in a timeline, the only timeline in which she lives. I'm yep. here for it. So Oh, I I'm, get it. I keep saying, what if what if we watch that movie and we're all like, that's a nine? That is a nine. I mean, listen, that would be an alt. That would be a win for DC, and they could fucking use one. Especially after Shazam got outperformed by um, Evil Dead. Evil Dead. Evil listen, Dead Rise. Uh, one thing about that though is Evil Dead Rise is an infinitely better movie than Shazam, so it deserved to outpace it. Sorry. <laughs> I agree. Going to throw that out there. One hundred percent. June twenty third. God is a bullet. No hard feelings. I'm actually really excited for No Hard Feelings, only because That's I the want. J- Jennifer Lawrence sex comedy, right? Okay. The first action, the first female action star in 2012 ever. Yeah. So it's, it's, I'm so glad that she's still blazing trails for other women. Yeah, no, it's great. This is the first sex comedy a woman's ever starred in as well. So first one, I mean, geez, Louise, (sighs) would have never thought it. If you can't detect the sarcasm in our voices, I'm sorry, but I would like to note that I have never been sarcastic on this show ever. Well, it's it's very exciting because recently we've 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 experienced quite a bit of uptick in our in our listenership, and and trust me, we are very humble and thank you for that. It's it's gone up quite a bit, and we thank you for that. But if you if you're a new listener and we were being sarcastic, and the whole joke behind Jennifer Lawrence being the first female action star, and you should you should Google that. You yourself will will have a little giggle. I don't want to talk about it for the fourth time on this show, but. It's 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 quite entertaining if you want to get a kick out of it. June thirtieth, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken coming out, and we start July with Insidious, The Red Door, and Joyride. So let's talk about. I have one question for you. We were okay. watching the. Which movie do you, do you do you think has more? Which movie do you think will do better in the box office? Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, or and I know this might be a stupid question, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. Mission Impossible is going to stomp it. Oh, yeah. It's going to stomp it into oblivion. I also have heard the initial reviews of Indiana Jones are not good. Not even close to acceptable. Not um, good at all. Not good, Bob. Not, not, not good. Not great, Bob. Which, if you'll notice, opens the next week. It will, no, it opens days later on Wednesday, July 12th. 
mm-hmm. which I'm really happy because if I were a producer on Mission Impossible and I saw Indiana Jones targeting July 7th weekend, which by the way, or no, target, sorry, targeting June 30th. I should, so two weeks in between. But I mean, if I'm a producer for Mission Impossible, I look at Indiana Jones, I do the the phallic hand wank motion and I just yeah. say, let's let's just stomp it as soon as we can. They just, should move, not us. <laughs> just put our foot on the neck and just let it just, just kill You guys it right think now. we should move to a different weekend? They're like, uh, no. I mean, <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> look, I'm, I'm a classic movie guy. I like the old Indiana Jones, but this movie, nobody asks for, nobody wants. So it's just, we're, you're, you're going to see the result of that. You're going to see the result of that. Um, and then, so that's J- July 12th is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 which is the opposite of Indiana Jones. Everyone wants this and we've all been asking for it. So yeah. no, thank you for giving it to us. Appreciate even more, it. even more of a hype after top gun, which, and if the rumors are true, which I've heard, we are getting a return to Cole trickle in days of thunder. Um, Good. and we are getting more mission impossible and we are getting a third look. They'd be, they'd be incredibly foolish to leave a third top gun movie money on the table. We're talking about a potential, you know, almost $2 billion left on the table for this. But I mean, it would be horrendously expensive. It'd be all dogfighting. It would, it, would, it would have to be. We've had two Top Gun movies with, it's pretty much flying in theory with one, like at, at the end, one mission being flown. Sure. But imagine how cool it'd be to watch, you know, a 20 minute dogfighting scene with, with people doing with their plane, you know, like mavericks up there doing flippies and twisties with his plan like how Are awesome those would technical that be? terms <laughs> technical <laughs> navy terms flippies and twisties i need yeah. you to get out there mav and do some flippies he's gonna be like what the, the fuck did you just say to me flippies and twisties mav flippies and twisties but i i'm excited i i could not be more excited for mission impossible that's a that since uh i saw mission impossible in the 90s i am i'm 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 always been hyped for the next mission impossible i always love where they're going with it tom cruise is a smart man i'm happy with what we're getting so that's up to oh and actually let's go one week further july 21st i only say this because we have barbie and oppenheimer so same weekend okay uh i have one thing of note about oppenheimer um it's going to come in at 250 so which is pretty on par for a, a nolan film yeah it's gonna be his longest one though well there's a i mean there's a lot of material here yeah um i'm also surprised that one of them hasn't moved yet barbie and oppenheimer yeah i don't think that is a problem i mean i don't know maybe well do you really want to go into to aug or to into august though that's the i thing. mean okay so look i'm not trying to knock oppenheimer here um, but you can release Oppenheimer any time of the year and it gets the same crowd, same draw. I don't know. Nolan's Nolan's some, a, a lot of Nolan's movies have come out on like July is, is, is a Nolan release month. Okay. Well, let's me look at, but if Oppenheimer was a holiday release, you wouldn't think anything of it. I actually think Barbie would be hurt. Wouldn't be hurt as bad as another movie by going into August because that's the kind of movie you want to, you want to go to with friends anyway. Sure. So, you know, everyone's returning to school, you know, everyone's got a little, you know, I, I think Barbie wouldn't be here by that, but I've also I, heard Barbie is very good. Yes. And this could be Greta Gerwig's calling card. So, yeah. God, wouldn't that be something if we if like Oppenheimer is excellent. Barbie is excellent. Mission Impossible is, is, is excellent. This is like all in a four week period where we could yeah. potentially get some great all like multiple great movies all at once. So it's good. Yeah. This, is, this is what I always wanted. Very, very happy. <laughs> Well, so that's it for the upcoming. I'm very excited. Um, I know I'll be here through, I'll be in Atlanta through August. Uh, I, I think I'll right. take, take some time off in, in August and just kind of go home and chill for a while. Been well, let, for let me years. ask you, let me ask you how, you know, we, you've had an update since, you know, you are part of the movie industry since the writer's strike. How's things down there? Has it been it's, weird? It's, well, n- yes, things have been different. Things have been weird. However, on the Facebook pages for accounting at least i work in accounting in film so like that's the facebook page i'm on all the big cities facebook pages is a lot of people are worried of course because nothing is being greenlit right now until these major contracts are ironed out and yeah. nothing and nothing is close so nothing yeah, if is you're close not on right something now. right now you might not be getting into something for a while uh, sev- several months maybe so it's going to be pretty rough out there for people without paychecks <laughs> for a while and I, I i certainly feel for them i i don't want that for anybody but 
these strikes um it, it's it's weird how these strikes they have more monetary gain in mind but the the average worker who's just trying to raise a family and pay for a mortgage they're the ones that suffer yeah of course just that's F- always F- that way just fyi so it's it's weird how they you know but yeah so i don't want to get more into the into to that but that's you know that's pretty common sense I, I would yes imagine. anyway let's talk about some trailers real quick yes no actually what's streaming well, well no, oh. i don't want to skip that oh. disney disney plus all right since Chris isn't here today, I just picked two. I always love this movie, Saving Mr. Banks, if you've not seen hmm. that, wonderful, by director John Lee Hancock. Solid movie. More than solid, man. It's excellent. Tom Hanks, Emma Thompson, Colin Farrell, Paul Giamatti, Jason Schwartzman, Bradley Whit- Bradley. Wait, what's his? Eric oh, Drinks' a- his own pee. <laughs> Bradley Eric Drinks' his own pee from Billy Madison, Whitford. 2013, and the way I, I, I always champion this movie because this is a hell of a movie. and. Yep. You have Emma Thompson and Tom Hanks that are two of the best that the industry has produced in a very long time. And they're it's a it's an absolute treat to see these two on on screen together and just playing off their genius. It's wonderful to see it. And there's yeah, some they wonderful, go toe to toe in this movie and it's, it works. And Emma Thompson is like one of probably four women that could have pulled this off. I honestly I sincerely believe that. Um and it, I don't think the other choices are what you think they'd be like Jennifer Aniston or um, Sandra Bullock, anything like that. I think you have to go outside the scope of the normal leading woman to find that. But I really do think that Emma Thompson delivers one of the performances of a lifetime in this one. This is the real life. Well, th- th- this is the one of well a a truer telling of the acquisition of Mary Poppins by Disney by by Walt Disney with the author. And it's just it's a hell of a movie with two or three scenes that are just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, one scene I always like to talk about, and I'll move on very quickly, but one scene I like to talk about is when she finally says, everything's looking up and she, you think she's going to sign over the rights. And then she learns that there's dancing penguins and, she, and her character does not want cartoons. Absolutely no cartoons. So she flies home to England and Disney follows her. Walt follows her. And he does that wonderful thing that he does in Green Mile. He does in a couple other movies too, where he sits down with someone eye level to eye level and we get the multiple minute monologue that seriously roger how many men do you think can deliver a monologue like tom hanks i could have done it okay but seriously who could deliver a monologue like tom hanks i mean are, are, just many, me and him okay fair so two men on the planet can, can can do that fine but so my point is that's an electrifying scene it's it's one of the best scenes of the year i have no doubt about it in an otherwise great year of movies um, saving the when he sits down and tells a story of his father and how he would, before school, walk through so many inches of snow to deliver the papers. Then you go to school, not be able to focus because he's cold and wet. Come home, eat dinner, do it all again, or his father would beat him. And he understands why she doesn't want to give up the character because he didn't want to oh, give yeah. up Mickey Mouse and his the relationship with him and his father. He gets it, and that's a hell of a conversation. And there's another one between Emma Thompson and another heavyweight. Paul Giamatti about she's frustrated outside of the outside of the studio of Disney and she's like building something in the grass. Paul Giamatti walks up to her with a fresh cup of tea because that's, you know, he knows that Brits like tea and they talk about his daughter who is handicapped in more than one way and cannot just be a normal kid. But Mm -hmm. that's why he likes Los Angeles, the sun, because she can enjoy more days outside in Los Angeles because it's better weather. She it's, likes it. Yep. It's a hell of a, it's just, it's a, it's a real treat watching these guys play off of each other. And it's just, I'm glad we got that movie. But if you have not seen that and you have Disney plus hell of a soundtrack, hell of a score, hell of a, I mean, Colin Farrell even turns in a wonderful performance, hell of a performance, man. I'm telling you, save Mr. Banks is, it was up for best picture. It was up for several nomination Academy awards. It would not be a waste of time to watch or rewatch that movie. Yep, Another one I chose. Good. Uh, not 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 so much the same critical acclaim, but uh, I think still almost as good. Invincible uh, mm. by director Erickson Core, Mark Wahlberg, Greg Kinnear, Elizabeth Banks, Michael Rispoli, Kevin Conway, 2005. Um, Just Roger, watched that not too long ago. As did I. And th- this may resonate with you a little more because you're more of a sports guy than I am. Sports ball. But um, it's it's a... It's a true story. I forget the guy's name. What, I just watched this. What's the guy's name? Vince Papali. Oh, Vince Vincent Papali, who is who does a walk-on tryout for the Philadelphia Eagles and is actually accepted. And he makes it. 
it's his hardship of the first season of earning the respect of the players, the coach, and getting out of his own way and becoming the player that he knew he could be. Man, for those five or six years when Disney was making those sports movies, they I thought they could do no wrong with those yeah. sports movies. Those were, I mean, Miracle is fana- is fantastic. Invincible is awesome. Um, even, the Rookie's great. The Rookie's uh, great with Dennis, Dennis Quaid. Quaid. Yeah. Um, even The Greatest Game Ever Played. I think that was also Disney. Pretty um, decent movie. Yeah, pretty decent lineup there. And there's and there's more I didn't mention, but damn, that's a, Invincible is one of those movies that there's some sequences in there that are just so good. And I, I, I love that movie. I will always champion Invincible. And Rod, you <laughs> chose, I'm laughing because I'm happy that you chose this because I don't think I ever would, but I also haven't seen it in 20 years. Come on, Honey, man. This movie's great. <laughs> Honey, I Shrunk the Kids by director Joe Johnston. Rick Moranis, 1989. Talk about it. Do you remember how big of a deal this movie was? I do. I was there. Like, yeah, it was huge, man. It was a huge movie. I mean, look, the story. It is what it is. It's, you know, graphically now, I guess it doesn't like hold up super great. It's kind of dated, but man, the story's pretty good. You know, it's about these kids that end up getting shrunk and um, have to trek through like the backyard to get home to get unshrunk and. It's a fun story for the family, and it looks really, really good, or looked really, really good back then. It, it was a great family movie. And I mean, they ended up making, what, three of these movies? Something like that? I, I, more than two. More yeah, than two. They, they made a couple of them, and you know, they were all big deals, all made a ton of money back to, back in the day. And like this is when Rick Moranis like, could do no wrong before like he retired. And uh, I think it, it's very cool if you look back to watch how good of that movie that really is. So. And Rick Moranis, he's, I mean, look, I mean, I, I think it's appropriate to attach like legendary actor to his, he did mm-hmm. a lot, he did a lot for the film industry and, and other, other performing industries as well. So, and he just straight up stepped away after his uh, wife passed away. So, um, which is a tough thing to do. You know, not, not everybody would have done that and he did it for his family and I respect the hell out of him for it. So good for him. I agree. I agree. Um, Rick Moranis is a hell of a hell of an actor. There's a lot of movies from that, that time period. I, I, I really admire with him in it. So, Oh yeah. I'd love to see him come back and he was in Spaceballs too. That's that, that's uh-huh. a, kind of a cult classic that many Ghostbusters. People, he, yeah, he, he made a lot of very, very wise choices back then too, which, you know, for funny actors, dude, man, he's a yeah. funny dude. All right. Those are all available on Disney plus. If you have the service saving Mr. Banks, invincible and honey, I shrunk the kids all for your viewing pleasure. Let's very quickly talk about some trailers. Roger, let's talk about extraction Two, with Chris Hemsworth, Olga Kurlinko, goal shift Farhani. I said that wrong. And I'm sorry. Uh, Daniel Bernhardt. It's a feature on Netflix. It's no chance. It's, it, it's no, I don't try I didn't try to hide it on the show. I loved the first extraction. It was a nine or a 10, I adored it. I still adore it. What, especially that last showdown on the bridge when he, because in, of course it's, he has lost a child and he just, he can't seem to come out of it. He is, he is so much lost in his own grief that he's almost taken his life a few times. No, he's inside of his own head. He can't get out of it. And then he gets an assignment uh, to save this kid, which I like that link there right away because there's, you know, he's saving another, another young boy that also is kind of having similar family thing, like just a lot of stress in his family. Uh, he, this boy needs rescue. And of course, Tyler finds redemption in this boy and this boy, you know, is famously, this movie has got a lot of really intense uncut fight scenes, which I just, I respect the hell out of because those I, I know in the production side are so hard to get right. So I respect the shit out of those scenes because damn it, that's a lot of work that goes into those to, to get to give you that 15 minutes of enjoyment people there's probably like four months of work and training that goes into that for, for, for the stunt guys for the camera guy for the sound guys to hit their mark there's a ton of training on all all fronts and yep. I, I really appreciate that and that last showdown on the bridge i'm very happy they reference in this trailer mm-hmm. and so only nine months has passed between yep. extraction and extraction two at least and- the beginning of extraction two why that I know you and Chris were happier about the the teaser we had a few weeks ago. I was not so happy, but I didn't because that shows exactly what I don't want out of extraction. I don't want brute, you know, bro, just fight scene for fight scene. I want it to mean something. And there's more context with this trailer, which I'm happy with. So I'm happy that we're getting a reference to the first movie. And he's again, saving people that are 
is relevant to his own grief and it will help him again come even further out of that river of grief that he's been sitting in now for a while. And uh, sure. I'm here's a question, Roger. Do they kill Tyler Rake at the end of this movie? No, because then you can't have Extraction 3. That's stupid. Yeah, but do um, they want, does Hemsworth want an Extraction 3? I mean, depends on how many zeros are drained of his paycheck. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good But one. I mean, here's the thing with the Extraction, um, Extraction 2 trailer is I am convinced that this movie is going to be two hours and 30 minutes long and two hours of it is going to be fight scenes. The well, other the other 19 minutes before credits will be <laughs> plot. That's it. And I'm fine with it. I hope that's not the case. I hope we get more story than that because the first one was while it was action heavy, they, they, they still there was four or five scenes that really knocked your socks off with, you know, when the momentum slowed down for a minute with story. So I, I hope we get I just hope we get more of the first one. That's that's all I can really ask for is more of the first. <clears throat> I don't think it's a secret. Everyone's excited about that. Now, let's talk about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. Tom Cruise, Haley Atwell, Ving Rhames, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Vanessa Kirby, Henry Cerny, Palm Clantiff, Shea Wiggum, Charles Parnell, Rob Delaney, Carrie Elwes. It's a feature this later this summer. What are we thinking about this new trailer? Fuck yeah. <laughs> I agree. I That's it. To say, I got I nothing to say, else to say. Well, Tom Cruise is on a heater, and of course, we could all—I mean, a, a damn good heater—that we're going to hope to continue through this. But as I was talking about before with with the Indiana Jones, is Mission Impossible is infinitely more relevant right now, and yep. it looks to, it's it, it's going to eat Indiana Jones lunch. Just yeah, no, it's going to stomp it into oblivion. But I mean, like, here's the thing: the last couple of Mission Impossible movies have been excellent. I mean, really, truly have been just great spy movies. And then him coming off of uh, Mission Impossible, or excuse me, off of Top Gun, you know, I I just don't see how this movie's not a banger. You know, I think it's going to be awesome. Um, I've professed my love for the last couple of Mission Impossibles at length in some older episodes. So um, they're so good to me, and the stories have been excellent since, like, three you know that whole cohesive story since then has been great so i'm here for it give it to me now i agree because there's one thing the mission impossible does that not a lot of franchises really like a franchise like transformers never really were able to grasp was stakes and the fact that they they never like in the in in the world that the imf exists which is this world there's always another terrorist threat and i appreciate that and They're all kind of, or at least have been for a while now, very intricately woven with with each other. And of course, Ethan, he's the one of the world's finest, is out there finding these, and like they all have a link to his to his past, his life. And I appreciate that. I appreciate the extra care they take to make me care about the stakes they put these characters in now, which which is a very expansive cast of characters. Oh yeah. So I'm very excited. I don't think anyone's not excited for Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. I mean, I bet you Indiana Jones isn't excited. <laughs> Well, I mean, you make a bad movie, you get your lunch stolen, that's that's on you. Let's talk about yep. the, crea- the creator with Allison Janney, Gemma Chan, Ralph Innocent, John David Washington, Ken Watanabe. He's a feature. Roger, you seem to be more excited about this than I am, and why so, is that? So, I am super pumped up for the creator. Um, first off, I think besides, um, you know... Like let's talk. I want to talk about Tenet for ten seconds here, right? Because that was John David Washington's like big breakout. I can be the full on lead of something here. I think he's great in that movie, and that movie's not very good, and that doesn't reflect on him as much as the problems with Tenet itself. I'm excited to see John David Washington do big budget sci fi, and that's what this is, and that's what it looks like to me. Grayson, you should be happy because this is like Terminator. Um, and I think it looks cool. The idea behind it is great. You know, the, you know, protecting a kid who's an AI is an interesting concept to me. And I, I think the trailer looks great. You know, listen, this movie could fall flat on its face, but as of right now, I am super pumped up for this movie. You're right. It is like Terminator. And of course, that's what I thought. And Terminator, to yeah, me I mean, will, you're, you're supposed to. Well, Terminator to me is, will always be the better story because the first two Terminator films are, they're just untouchable by, by almost anybody, any other movie on on the market. But it's, the ideas are solid and we do live in a world where 
we really have to start thinking about the fact that like even in 1992 is kind of a farther reach because we were very analog then or 991 when Terminator 2 came out talking about, you know, Judgment Day and the machines taking over again. And I get it. But like now we're at a point where like you can just. And chat now we're G- like 11 seconds away from an AI actually killing all of us. So well, you can you can literally go put, team. You can put parameters in chat GTP and then it'll pump out for you a three page paper that. Most teachers probably couldn't tell their own student didn't write. Until they run it through their little system thing that they have now. <laughs> so, I mean, look, we're, AI is getting scary. It's just what they can do with things. And you're, you're hearing all these stories about AIs writing music to sound like real artists. And the real artists are saying, that's not us. You can't monetize that. And people are saying, yes, we can. You say, yes, I did. So it's <laughs> 10 years from now when, you know, we're, we're all talking to each other through eye blinking. Then it'll be even more. But I, I always like the idea of what happens when the AI becomes self-aware. So I, I think it's an it'll be an interesting idea. I, I, however, am not as jazz as Roger. I want to be. I just the trailer didn't quite sell me, but I like the cast. I like the idea. So I'm here for it. It's always got to yep. do is not lose me. Yep. All right. Let's jump into the movie of the week hypnotic and um as stated before i don't want to get too into the weeds of hypnotic because it is you really can't talk about hypnotic without spoiling pretty much everything so we'll (laughs) keep it to keep it to a minimum so all right ben affleck alice braga william fickner jd pardo jeff haley sorry faith jeff fahey hala finley we'll just stop there a smaller cast than you think you'd you you would get in a movie movie like this uh, directed by Robert Rodriguez. So if you're, if you're a Robert Rodriguez fan, you have probably already sought this out and seen it, and, and you, you have your reasons for why you like it. But Roger, what's Hypnotic about? Um, uh, I don't know. It's a worse version of Inception. That's, that's what I keep returning to in my mind. So do you think it's Inception? There's well, a couple... The other, of, what's the a, other movie I'm thinking about? There's a about? couple... Of, um, so... It's it's almost like Shutter Island. Um, there's very there's a lot of Inception. Memento is probably what you're thinking of. With okay, so Memento, Memento. But you know, I'm thinking of another Affleck movie. Remember the movie Paycheck? Oh, geez, we we referenced this two weeks ago or last week. Yeah, I do mm-hmm. remember that. That's Remember the Future. Yep. Yeah, where where, where he mm-hmm. sent himself, where he was a scientist that specialized in brain wipes, and they wiped his brain. But before that, he sent himself clues to help piece together he unwiped his brain yeah okay he unwiped his brain but he sent himself clues to piece together how to remember the future and that well that was in the you gotta remember that was in the the the, the dark ages of ben affleck where he really was like oh that guy is really kind of bad but it, he has since ch- turned the table although this movie i miss feels bad like uh, i miss ben a bad ben affleck though because like remember reindeer games i love rain when he sticks the pistol so, in his mouth and pulls it yeah and it's actually just a water gun yeah great yeah like that movie's great. It's awful, but it's, it's fucking so bad. But it's awesome. It's fun though. But that was back when he was like one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood, and he kept turning out turd after turd after turd, which I I, I think is kind of hilarious. But well, I mean, so let's talk about the Dark Days of Ben Affleck before we really dig into this movie because look, this movie feels like the Dark Days of Ben Affleck, doesn't it? Boy, it sure. It feels like it was shot around the two thousand four, two thousand six, and then shelved for twenty years. It really does feel like that. Yeah. It has that same it, it, look of lighting that they did back then. That same, no one invests in light bulbs. Everything's dark for no reason. That kind yeah. of thing. It looks like a movie that somebody made and was like, hey, look what we found. Hey, should we sell this? <laughs> it's, it's such a weird thing to think about, right? It, it looks like it's like an older school movie. Um, you know now when you watch an older movie and it's like upscaled to, to 1080 or 4K and it looks like grainy. Yeah, you know, like yeah. that old school film grain and stuff like that movie has this kind of feel to it, but not because somebody put that effect into it. It just feels like it's old and like the concept behind it. It feels like an outdated premise for a movie that they just kind of updated to 2023. and was like, OK, yeah, we can make this into a movie. But they're like, well, hey, we only have a 720 camera. Let's go shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know the people who. um the production, the the production accounting team. I actually know them, and they. I've heard stories that it didn't. There were a lot of problems during production, and it. I think it shows. Okay. The, the story is pieced together in, in in a way that's kind of almost nothing is explained. 
and everything and you, you just keep like going along for this ride so I, I i can see where they may have had problems and then just kept patching it up by other ideas other ideas other ideas but again i don't know how accurate that is on the production side i just know from the the accounting side that um it, it didn't it didn't have as smooth a production as as it could have so the so, budget of this movie is between 65 and 70 million dollars that's that's 50 too much that's just 50. spending them too i mean okay <laughs> All right, tomato meter thirty-seven percent, audience score sixty-three percent. People, God, why? What? It's a little high, people. This is why you're not supposed to do Rotten Tomatoes, folks. <laughs> I agree. So let's let, let's get into it then. Let's talk about this movie and all of its glory. <laughs> glory, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> well, it's all right. Ben Affleck is Daniel Rourke. Let's just, and then Alice is Braga, he though? Is Alice, he? <laughs> I mean, Alice, <laughs> Alice Braga is Diana Cruz. So here's the is thing. she is she Diana Cruz? <laughs> I don't know. Well, okay, I don't so here's know. Here's the thing. This is let's just get the elephant out of the room. Memento is a much better movie by a much better director. Right, right out the gate, Nolan is a better director than Robert Rodriguez ever could hope to be. That's just I think that's simple fact. Wow, shots fired, Rob. Well, do you, you want to come I'm on wrong? the show and if you want to come on the show and defend your honor? Well, reach do you, out. Do you think I'm wrong? I have no comment. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Maybe I'll track that. Maybe I won't. Probably not. Hey, but- until Christopher Nolan does a Predator movie, no. Okay, fair. fair <laughs> so- How about that? <clears throat> Hypnotic. We open... See, the opening... And Chris doesn't believe me, but the opening... Also, Christopher Nolan never did any Spy Kids movies. That, you're, or Alita Battle Angel. You're right about that. So let's talk probably, about... He probably would have done that, though. Um. So... <clears throat> How we open is what gave it away dead to me. We open with, we got very close shots on someone's face, someone's eyes opening, almost like they're coming out of a dream, a trance. And then there's a, he's in a, um, Affleck's character is, he's in a therapy session. Daniel's in a therapy session talking about, he lost his, he lost his daughter and he couldn't help it. He searched and searched all over the park. She was taken. It's destroyed him and his wife. It destroyed him. He's having a tough time coping, walks out on the, on the session when he gets a phone call. He oddly steps on a cockroach and, get, and then gets in the car. And right at that moment, I'll tell you what I thought of was Shutter Island. Hmm. I don't know why, but immediately Shutter Island came into mind because of the cigarette he steps on right in the beginning of Shutter Island was similar to that cockroach. And, and, Shutter, cockroach. Island, and in Shutter Island, none of it's real. So it's all, it's, it's, it's all a farce. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to go with that. And I was right about that. What I wasn't right about is all the Every, twists. Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> well, but you, you can't well, see here's what's the, coming. You, you can't be, right? So this is, this is one of the movies where you can't see what's coming, um, which is weird because this makes it really hard to talk about, is because this movie twists about three different times, and none of them make it any better. <laughs> um, it just it gets it more convoluted, though. But it, but not in the, but it makes it convoluted not in a good way and and as as a reference not a good thing. Well, but I mean, Inception has a fair bit of convolutedness to it, but there's always explanation behind it, and there's always like layers of explanation to go with those different layers. Here is okay. just like things happen because the script says it happens. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's what I felt like. Is in Inception, there was a reason, and they explained to you, "Hey, when we go down the next layer, that this happens. Hey, in the next layer, this happens. And here's why we yep. can't do this. And here's why you can't think of things you already know. And they they lay it all out for you. But in this yeah. one, it's tough. <clears throat> and another movie I thought of, which is a weird, a weird, is a Matthew McConaughey movie. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Um, the one where he's in the video game, Serenity. Yes, Serenity. Yes. Okay. Yeah. With him right. and him and Anne Hathaway. And I'll tell you, is because. After the first, after there's a there's like a bank heist that Affleck's character is involved in, or, or Rourke is involved in, and afterwards when Fick, the Fickner character gets away, the villain gets away with, with, with what he needed to, he he's talking to his partner, uh, Daniel is talking to his partner and says, he says, I saw it when he saw me. I know he knows where my daughter is. I know it. We have to find him. Such stiff line delivery, such awful line delivery that I'm like, there's no way that that wasn't on purpose. So again, that was another, but in same in serenity is the lines are delivered and the stiff acting between some of the characters are, it's done for a reason. 
is because they're all NPC characters in a video. Like I get that part of it. So that's another movie I referenced too in my brain, like right away is, so that it was all kind of a dead giveaway to me what was going on. Now the depth of what was going on, I couldn't, you can't really anticipate because it's, and for, for lack of a better way to explain it, it's almost like the mission impossible when people keep ripping off their face and it's always someone else like the MI2, like it's just, that happens like four different times where people, someone rips off a face mask. I'm like, how do you, come on, man. Yeah. Who's not wearing a damn face mask? But that's kind of what this movie felt to me is that. And it's, it's the setup is, it is creepy, especially when you witness the Fickner character doing what he's doing. Uh, Liv, yeah. Del, Liv Del Rain doing what he's doing to people. He's pretty much just looking at them straight in the eyes mm-hmm. and telling them what they're going to do. And they yep. do it. Give them like cues. Because he's a hypnotic, which is a very powerful uh, person who can just influence certain folks to do whatever they want just by telling them that. So, which you do a really bad job of explaining that. And when that's your title, you know, I don't, I don't get it. But you know, after about twenty minutes, I realized this movie's not good, and I just sort of was like, "Let's play along here and see how dumb this movie thinks that I am." Turns out, it doesn't think that I'm dumb. It just doesn't know how to tell me what's happening on the screen in a way that I'm supposed to care. Is that right. fair to that, say? That is, that is very fair, I think. Like, yeah. this movie doesn't break anything down to you. Listen, there's twist after twist after twist, especially in the last 15 to 20 minutes, okay? It is just, there's a semi-linear story, and then it just goes sideways, turns sideways again, and then turns back in on itself. You're like, what the fuck just happened here? And you don't say that because it's like, whoa, this is like, you know, he's dead in the sixth sense kind of twist, right? Like, that's not that good. None of it's good. It's just like, oh, this is what we're doing here? That's the twist that you're getting. And it's like, this is unfair. You know, I'm really glad that I have AMC movie or uh, I, that I have the AMC stubs premiere. A list, A list, yeah. So that I didn't really pay actual human money <laughs> to watch this movie. Well, you, you do, but you're paying a lot less per movie than you would normally. Well, no, because I counted up because it'll you know it'll be rolled in when I go see Fast next week. <laughs> you know, it's all the same. <laughs> so. Oh, but it's just it's it, it's amortized. Your your twenty bucks is amortized over a month between you know anywhere from four to twelve movies. So yeah, I have to. Here's the funniest thing, right? Is I'm coming off a movie that could have like a really deep plot could have been like really great you know like mental twist and i have to be like hey i have to go watch a movie called fast 10 next week just to have a movie with a plot in it that is that is well this one did have a plot it just does it? i was i was ready for this movie to be over halfway through and it wasn't and i sat there just i wasn't bored but I just wasn't. It's okay to say that you were because I was the plot just didn't it just didn't grab me and it, it my really wife does go go ahead my wife looks at me, she goes, What's what what is this? And I'm just like, I don't I don't know. Well, <laughs> it's it's strange because it's it does feel like it slots in right in the two thousand four, two thousand six range of movies. And the the one scene I, w- I want to reference that really can I think is an example of that is in the jail cell. Okay. When, when him and his partner have the psychic that they that they they think gave them a tip off that helped mm-hmm. them with the the, the the bank heist in the beginning is they have her and they're questioning her. And then in this jail cell, which is presumably attached to a police station, I don't know. Yep. Or whatever. There's there's like three lights on in the entire long dark hallway. <laughs> and it's it's very strange. Like there's no other cops coming and going. There's there there's there's nothing else. And then you see like all of a sudden you just see William Fickner's character walk just up walks in. Someone. It's just I understand. Once you understand the movies played out the way that it does, why things happen the way that they do. However, it's very jarring when you're watching it because nothing happens in reality. Maybe that's what they maybe that's what Rodriguez wants you to understand, but it just seems to me like then why have the twist? If you've given if you presented to me a world in which nothing is real because it's it's also asinine and stupid, then why yeah, instead twist? instead of having three different twists, he just could have woke up and all of it could have been a dream. Hmm. And listen, that's a damn good twist. You know what I mean? I almost would have preferred a movie about a guy, I mean, of Affleck's character, Daniel Rourke, looking for the guy who took his son. And he keeps getting these, like, maybe he's got a, maybe he's working with the psychic that I see a blue scarf and a red car, you know, something like it just, that's more interesting to me than what we got, you know, almost the, the minority of report approach. Yeah, where, that's a good movie. You could have watched that instead of this one. 
I, you know, I watched that recently. Here's the one question I have for you mm-hmm. is, and I don't think anyone's asked this question because it undoes the whole movie. When the red ball comes down the pipe and it has John Anderton's name, mm-hmm. why wouldn't he just sit in the police station and do nothing? I don't know because you're not supposed to do that. Because it doesn't make sense. Because the, the plot, plot can't because the plot can't move forward. But if you don't attempt to kill anyone, and I understand the whole thing is they arrest you before you do it. But all the examples they give in that movie of arresting people is mm-hmm. they catch them right before they're about to commit the crime. Yeah. So the, they have the setup at least for a jury. If he were to just sit down in a chair in front of a computer in Minority Report and that red ball comes down with his name and says, you know what? I'm going to sit here for the next 24 hours and do nothing. So nothing well, can happen. The other part of that, too, is you could be like, no one else could, you know, there's not a camera on it showing what the name is. And he's just like, yep, no, I'll take this one for later. <laughs> But anyway, anyway, but that's that's just the early. I mean, that's early two thousand Spielberg. But it, otherwise, that movie works pre- pretty well. There's a lot. I mean, yeah, report's a, pretty good. It's a damn good action flick. Um, I would have almost preferred the uh, a story about maybe a guy who's at a at a park, which he which he, he was. His daughter gets kidnapped, and he goes to a psychic, which puts him under in hypnosis to try to extract some more facts about what happened, and then hunt down those leads. I would have preferred that. We did. Yeah, we, we got, we got been that, a better movie. We got that side story in a, in a weird way, but not really that story. Is what I'm talking. About. It's like it, we got this weird. When it finally plays out, it kind of makes some sense, but only kind of. And if your movie only kind of makes sense, you've probably not done the right thing when writing the script. Well, you can make a movie that only kind of makes sense if you do everything else good or better. They don't. Right. I mean, it's. It's been a long time since I've said this about a movie, but I think this movie is a waste of everyone's time. Ooh. Once um, you I, know, Grayson almost gave zero last week or the week before. I was pretty upset about Pan and Wendy, but yeah, and I, I honestly, I do think the zero is arguably you could make an argument for that, and I do think that all the scores everywhere are way artificially inflated. If you've seen Pan and Wendy and you agree with a six or higher stop going to Rotten Tomatoes and putting your opinion because it's, it's wrong. It's, <laughs> but I mean, this, this movie, I don't think is a zero. I don't think it's a five, but I mean, there are some other, there's a lot of troubling things with this movie is it just, I just, the, the biggest problem here is I think it's boring. Yeah. It never so really picks up steam. And that is a crime in itself. I think if your movie just doesn't, we're talking about me, Roger. I'm the guy who falls for every single trailer, who gets yeah. into every single movie he watches, and I was bored. Yeah. So, it, I mean, here's the thing, though. It is boring. It, at no point is this movie ever really exciting, right? Now, listen, after you watch it, you'll be like, okay, that was weird because that's fair. But then, like, when you watch the whole movie, you watch all these twists unfold, and then what's fed to you at the end, you're supposed to be like, oh, okay. Like, that wouldn't be your reaction if this was real life. <laughs> like, that's I, not how this works. I agree. I agree. And like, these a, people should be in prison. All of them. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And when it, when it actually turns down what happened, it's very strange. It's, it's almost, you're, you're asking your questions, how did they pull that off? There's no way. Well, they, they don't they explain to, to you how they pull it mm-hmm. off because they don't have to. No, they don't. And it's, that's, that's, the, that's the current standard of filmmaking is you just... If you're if you plan on making a movie shock and awe, fine, I'm all about it. But you've got to have some explanations to how things happen. Otherwise, it just is going to fall flat, and you only have yourself to blame. So, I mean, I, there's there's reasons I don't want to talk about this movie because it's very spoilery, and I don't want to talk about either any of the twists because if you see them coming, it kind of ruins the experience. But I just I really struggled with hypnotic, and I, I don't, especially with Ben Affleck. I love Ben Affleck. I watch you know. Gone Baby Gone in the town twice this week for a conversation with you and Chris later. Yep. Um, I, I watched The Way Back, which I, I think is just a great little movie. I think Ben fucking kills it in The Way Back. I think he's the best part of that movie by far. He's so impressive in that movie. Um, I'm I'm on a Ben Affleck heater. I have been. I'll always, you know, I'll go back to Armageddon now and again. <laughs> but um, mm. I'm Oof, not, you know, I'm a Ben Affleck heater. But, you know, The Town, I just watched. Man, I got reacquainted with that one. Awesome, awesome movie. Fucking love The Town. I just, Love I'm it. Disappointed that we didn't get more out of Hypnotic that we should have. Is yeah, yeah, I mean, look, there's there's not a whole lot of good to say about this movie. It, it just really isn't. Um, that's 
that's really it. You know, sometimes we run into a set. Uh, this is going to be the first time in a while. So we, we did a little bit behind the scenes for anybody new or newer that's joined us. Is we, uh, we record both the episodes in the same night 90% of the time. And we'll be doing that tonight as well. And normally, like, we've been on a bad run with Netflix lately. Um, as you know, listen to our last couple of episodes that involved a Netflix movie, you're, you understand that. Um, for the first time in a long time, the Netflix movie is not the worst movie of the week. <laughs> and that's uh, been a long time since that's been a thing. So I think that's saying that's that's what we're dealing with with hypnotic here. So I truly believe. So I, I have a serious question for you. Right. So um, we we pretty much agree that me time is one of the worst uh, movies we've watched in a long time. It's a Netflix original. Um, is this movie better or worse than that? <sighs> I think it's probably better, but only marginally. I think you're probably right. It's in the same realm, though, which is which is not good. We also had a we also had a running joke since what about Friday afternoon when we first a couple of us had first seen the movie in our group text. It'd be like, well, hypnotic. It's and then somebody's like, well, yeah, it's a movie. <laughs> it's it's a movie. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a tough one. That same it's, joke um, went on a couple of times. So. <laughs> Let's move to score it then. Um, All right. Do you want to go? Or you want me to go? I'm just gonna. I'm gonna give this a two and a half, and I and, and I think I'm being at least a half point generous here, because I like Ben. Well, no, be nice I two and four. because I think it. There is an argument for it being a two point five. I do. There, there, there is some Robert Rodriguez signature here. I think he's a very competent director. Some of the action sequences are actually really quite well done. Action's okay. That's fair. It's fair. It's. Uh, it's I do too think much. Two, I do think a two and a half is probably well deserved for hip hip. Yeah, I mean it's it's fair. Um I mean listen, I'm not going to go any different than that. So I'll just go at 2 cuz listen, you don't get half points for being Ben Affleck when you make shit movies to me. Um this movie's pretty bad. Um it does have one really redeeming factor in it though, Grayson. Do you know what that is? What what, what is that? It's 85 minutes long. Oh yeah. <laughs> let's short. let's listen. Let's give it props where it's due because look, if this movie was 2 hours long, it's a fucking zero. Mm. I'm serious. Um this movie with credits is only like 95 minutes. Um so it it's a, it's an in and out. It's it's quick and dirty. So it's it's pretty pretty not good all the way through. There's nothing really great about it. Um, the real issue with hypnotic and, you know, we make this joke all the time is I didn't know what hypnotic was until the week before it came out. And I have a movie podcast and I watch all the trailers and, you know, in the last couple of years, I've seen like 600 movies to talk about, you know, I had no idea what hypnotic was or when it was coming out until the day before we're like, Hey, we got to talk about hypnotic next week. And I said, what the fuck is hypnotic? So (laughs) there's that. Congrats. Yeah, it's it's very strange. Very, very strange. But yeah, I, I, I do think it deserves a two and a half. Um, I don't even think it's worth a watch. It's the first time you heard me say that like all year pretty much is I don't even like we have a ghost. Yeah, sure. If you're going to if you're if you're turning it on to fall asleep in bed, fine. But we hypnotic is because it's an AMC or it's a, well, it's in theaters right now that that requires you to go watch it and pay for it. It's a tough sell for me because I just it's the first movie in a long time. There's like three movies a year that I'm like, that was such a waste of time. And this maybe even less than that, like one movie a year. And this is just that one for me. So, yeah, it's, it's just not good. All right. Not apologies. Good at all. Apologies for the shorter episode, folks. But we didn't I mean, again, we didn't like the movie, but we also didn't want to spoil it. So if you want to check it out, which I I mean, I can't recommend it. But if you do, I hope you enjoy the spoilers. So there's that. Yeah. All right, this has this has been episode 331A of For the Love of Cinema, a movie podcast. Each new episode posts every Tuesday and Friday morning on the podcast service of your choice of the following five. Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Please leave a comment or two, rate, subscribe. Every little bit helps. More importantly, thank you for listening. Check out the show on Twitter at Love Cinema Pod. I am at Grayson Maxwell One. I am at Rod Stillian. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, always posting things on social media. Send us an email to for the love of cinema podcast at gmail.com. And next week, we're taking a look at a, a little movie you may have heard in a, in a tiny franchise, made a few bucks, Fast and the Furious 10, and air on this is now finally available on Amazon Prime. Fasten your seatbelts, folks. Mm, 
Never gets old. I'm going to make that joke 11 more times. Why Why 11? I don't answer to you. All right, fair.